0: everyone. My name's Marshall. It's lovely to be here with you um, this afternoon and uh, it's kind of exciting doing Messy Church. This is the first time I've done it as well and uh, Dom mentioned that we'll be doing some things that are a bit different Uh, and so if you're visiting uh, you might think oh this is a little bit weird so the sermon's going to be a bit different as well in that it's going to be more interactive. So Dom talked about the idea of us all having God's Spirit Uh, in us uh, and God uses each of us to teach ourselves and to teach each other and we're actually going to put that into practice today Uh, so the sermon will look a bit different so if you're a newcomer don't worry it'll be a bit different for the regulars as well but just uh, strap yourselves in um, it'll be fine. Uh, Let's pray as we come to God's word. Uh, Father God we thank you for this uh, passage that talks about uh, Jesus going so that he could send his spirit and so that God could live in us. We pray that you would help us understand these words and show us what it means for our life. Um, Please encourage us and comfort us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Being left alone, away from someone that we love or depend on, can be a frightening prospect. Uh, that happened to me uh, when I was a lad. I was probably about seven years old playing soccer. After soccer training, my, uh, it was in a country town. Dad had gone to another town to buy machinery parts or some such thing. Um, uh, come the end of training, Dad wasn't there to pick me up. Uh, I waited and I waited and I waited. I was with my brother, it got dark. Eventually some good Samaritan, a neighbor took us in and uh, said, "You poor lost orphans! You must, uh, you must have terrible parent." No, she didn't say that. Um, but uh, so we, we were worried. We, we thought we were abandoned by dad. Well, dad, dad just got held up. He did come, and and pick pick us up. He didn't forget us. But I must run in the family because there was also a time when I did one worse, and that is actually forget one of my boys. Um, we it was a uh, uh, same country town. We're about 30 kilometres out of town. My wife, Julie, sent me into town to collect my boy. Uh, I can't, actually can't remember which one it was. Um, and uh, I, I went into town. I must have had something else to do because I did something, then went home, but picking up my boy wasn't one of them. I got back and Julie said, where's Doug or Bill? Can't remember which one. And I said, oh, yeah. LAUGHTER um, so i had to go back 30k's and pick them up actually amazingly i don't i remember seem to remember them being him being remarkably composed about having been left behind but in this passage jesus disciples were also they weren't so composed about the idea of being left behind uh, jesus talks about leaving them at the beginning of john 14 their lord and master has just announced that he was going away and that they would be left alone. But this is a a, a passage of comfort, uh, a word of comfort for Jesus' disciples. He tells them that even though he is going away, it's actually for their benefit that he's going. Jesus assures them that they won't be left alone, but his Father will send them his Spirit in his place. And he will guide them and remind them of the truth that Jesus taught. Not only that, after Jesus rises from the dead and goes to the Father, then he will come to us and be in us and we will be with him. So that's where we're going today. There's an outline which we will kind of be following, but I've actually adapted it a bit so it won't exactly look like that. But that will give you a guide if you want to take notes. If you haven't got a Bible, do you want to put your hand up because we will be looking at the passage and it'd be really helpful to have a Bible uh, as we go along. Um, okay, so everyone seems to be right. So let's dive in. Um, on your outline there, there are three points. We'll be basically looking at those three points. They're based around the idea of movement. So this is a passage about Jesus going but something coming in his place. Um, The first part is that Jesus going away from his disciples. He's going to be taken away from them to be condemned and crucified. But then he'll come back for a short time after rising from the dead. But then the direction of the movement changes from going to coming. Jesus will go, but the Holy Spirit will come in his place. God's presence will come with him. And finally we're told that the movement will do a full circle and Jesus will come and be present with us, and live with us as God's people. Our passage starts off, um, In this is our first point. Doesn't seem to be working. Battery's flat? I don't know. There we go. Jesus says in the first point that he's going to get a, a place ready. Have a look at the first verse with me, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the place where I am going. Um, these are words of comfort, don't be troubled, don't worry. But why would they be troubled? To answer this, just very quickly, we need to look at the context of why Jesus is saying this. In the section right before, Jesus says he's going to leave his disciples. Uh, He doesn't say where he's going to go, Uh, he has in mind going to the cross, that he would be arrested, that he would be uh, betrayed, that he would be crucified. The disciples don't know this, but they know that he's going to leave. Then at the end of chapter 13, Jesus tells his disciples that he would also be betra- uh, not, not betrayed, but Peter, who is uh, kind of like the head disciple, is actually going to deny him three times. Jesus would, would leave them. Peter would deny, deny Jesus three times. So the disciples are likely to be troubled because they don't have a clue why Peter is going to deny him, deny Jesus. Peter who always spoke on their behalf. Peter who always took the lead. What kind of disaster is going to happen? Are they all going to deny Jesus? Where is Jesus going? All these questions going around in their head. But Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Verse 4, he says, you know where I'm going. Now at this point they must have been a bit puzzled. Listen to Thomas's words. Have a look with me. In chapter 14, verse 5, Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus says he's going, you know the place where I'm going, but Thomas says, no, we don't know. Then Jesus says, perhaps one of the most famous words in the Bible, in chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I want you to start doing some work now. So I want you to turn, maybe in a small group, uh, in pairs next to you, Uh, if you don't feel comfortable talking or answering, just listen in. Uh, I want you to answer the question, what does it mean for Jesus to be the way? What does it mean for Jesus to be the way? All take just take a minute or two and think about that. Okay, I can see some people nodding. Like, yep, yeah, they've got got this one. solved solved this one. Um, can someone just shout out quickly? Wh- what do you think it means? What do you think that Jesus is the way? What does that mean? Don't be shy, Jeff. Yeah, I'm pointing at you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We're talking about Jesus not showing, not that he was giving us directions and not saying, This is the way, but saying, I am the way. So it's not that we just follow what he says, but we follow who he is. And he made a path for us to be um, with God and for eternal life. And it's not a method, it's a person. Excellent. (laughs) Yeah, well well, well done, Leanne. (laughs) Excellent. that's really good. Hold on to that thought that that it's not it's not a, a not a matter of direction, but it's a matter of who Jesus is. Let's have a look at verses seven, seven to nine. Um, verse seven: If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and have seen him. Philip said, "Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us." Jesus answered, "Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time." Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus isn't just the way, but is also the destination. Uh, and I think that answers the question, what does it mean for Jesus to be the way? Jesus says, if you know me, you will know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The disciples wanted to know how to get to the Father. Jesus makes it clear that it's through him and it's only through him because Jesus is one with the Father. So, that, so Jeff, Jeff was exactly on the right track. It's a matter of who, and the who is Jesus. Jesus is one with the Father, Jesus is God the Son, and the Father is God the Father. Now, this, this passage is one of the clearest statements that we have in the whole Bible about how to know God, uh, how to get to God. Maybe you're feeling like, you're on a spiritual journey maybe you feel like you haven't got there but but you're searching and and it's fantastic that you're here today maybe you feel like you you want to find the right path but you don't know what that is well jesus words make it clear that he is the path he is the road and he is also the destination he is both and that there is no other way there are no alternative maps to get to God no other gods to find no other way to spiritual truth so Jesus wants his disciples to understand that he is going to the father but they won't be abandoned because they will also be with the father and it's through Jesus that that will happen it's not a matter of going to a journey on a play oh sorry to to get to a place because Jesus is the place He is the final destination. Through him, they know the Father. And then Jesus assures them that he will continue to work through his disciples. Um, And here we are up to uh, number 1.3, if you're following uh, along on your notes. Have a look at verse 12 with me. Verse 12 says... I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. By trusting in Jesus, we continue to do Jesus' work. In fact, Jesus says that we can do even greater things than, than what Jesus did while he was on earth. That doesn't mean more spectacular things. Uh, more spectacular miracles or healings Uh, we'll come back to what that might mean but a clue that can help us is to work out why we can do greater things than jesus and it's there at the end of verse 12 he will do even greater things than these because i am going to the father jesus leaving the physical world and returning to the father enables him to do something that empowers us to do things even greater than Jesus did while he was on earth. And that's our second point, uh, under number two, that Je- Jesus goes so that some someone could come and that is the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, that the Father will send in Jesus' place. Verse 15 uh, in, our, in our passage signals uh, a change in the emphasis... Uh, in in this chapter before the emphasis has been on jesus leaving and comforting his disciples because of that and then the second half of the passage that we're going to focus the rest of our time on is about coming Uh, jesus leaving so that some some something will come in his place and that something is a someone which is the holy spirit and that god jesus would empower us through that spirit Well, what what do we learn about the Holy Spirit and what he can do? We learn probably more than two things, but I want to highlight two things. One is that he continues the work of Jesus. Have a look in verse 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Jesus seems to be saying that he is the first counsellor because now he will send another counsellor. So at least in the sense of guiding or counselling and teaching, that, that's kind of what counsellor means, the Spirit does the same thing as Jesus. He has the same role as Jesus. And Jesus calls him the Spirit of truth. Notice that at the beginning of verse 17. Verse um, Remember back in verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. So the same thing is true of the Spirit that is of Jesus. Jesus is the truth. The Spirit is also the Spirit of truth. Jesus is linking their roles and linking their identity. And the second thing is that the Spirit does is that he teaches us and reminds us of what Jesus has taught his disciples and he and, and has taught us look at verse 26 but the counselor the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything i have said to you and that work he does of teaching and reminding jesus words leads to obedience it's not spelled out by jesus here but the way that jesus associates Uh, obedience with the Spirit's coming is clear in this passage. If you glance over the section between verses 15 to 26, um, you'll see that the Spirit is mentioned in verse 17, have a look at that, and then again in verse 26, kind of like creating a, a mirror or a sandwich. Then in the middle of the sandwich, there's verse 21 and 23 and 24, where Jesus talks about obedience. Can you see that in the passage? So the Spirit comes and the role and what that will lead to is obedience in our lives as we obey, obey Jesus' words. It's pretty clear that the work of the Spirit is in teaching, reminding, guiding us, and that will lead to obedience. So to come back to the question of doing greater things than Jesus. It's to do with having the Holy Spirit. He is with us forever, it says in verse 16. God is able to teach us and remind us and help us to obey Jesus in a way that even Jesus could not do in his physical body when he was here on earth because he was restricted in a sense uh, in being in that physical body. And so we are empowered to do things that even Jesus couldn't do during his time on earth. And the reason why the Spirit is able to empower us in that way, why it is even better for his disciples, even better for us, that Jesus goes so that the Spirit can come, is that the Holy Spirit is God himself. And when he comes to us, it is actually God himself taking up residence in us. And that's our third point, that um, uh, Jesus the Holy Spirit comes so that God can be with us. Jesus continues this idea of God's presence coming, Jesus going so that God could come and live in us. And I want to point out something about the structure of this whole chapter that I think points to the fact that this last point Uh, and two verses in particular that bring it home are the climax the high point of the whole chapter and here's where i want you to do a bit more work Um, i want you to have a look at um to see have a look at from verses 15 to the end of the chapter can you see a sandwich a sandwich is where you have um sorry actually the whole chapter where, where you have uh, one verse that's the same, or two verses that are the same at the beginning and the end, or, or the same idea, and then in the middle is kind of a meat um, that that um, that is the focal point. So I'll, I'll tell you what I, what what I mean. Have a look at verses one and verse twenty-seven. So I want you to get get back into your small groups, and I got I got some questions for you. Have a look at verses 1 and 27. And uh, what do they tell us about the purpose of the chapter to start with? And then I want you to look at verses 17. and 26 I want you to tell me what what that's about or or in your small groups discuss what that's about and why so there's a mirror right Uh, 17 and 26 are talking about the same thing about the Holy Spirit I'm sure you've worked that out Verses 1 and 27 are are talking about do not let your hearts be troubled, do not let your hearts be troubled. So that's the bread in the sandwich, right? It's the same idea being mirrored. The Holy Spirit is the same idea being mirrored. Um, And it's setting up something in the middle between that, which is the climax of to the whole chapter and I want you to look at verses 20 and 23 and tell me how that is the climax of the chapter verses 20 and 23 you see the question so so I think that's the key point to the whole chapter the climax of the chapter what what are those verses about just discuss it in your small groups You don't have to tell me. I'll pick on someone to tell me, but. (laughs) Oops, sorry. <laughs> okay, now I, I know I haven't given you long with that, but uh, hopefully it's given you a little bit of thinking time. Is there anyone who wants to have a crack at saying what 20 and 23 are basically on about? I'm not going to pick on anyone except Dan. <laughs> <laughs> so, <What> Jeff said <laughs> <laughs> yeah the so holy spirit is the one who will bring us into this this family this yeah excellent so family holy spirit <laughs> 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 yep yeah excellent um and it, it it revolves around the idea of god coming to us doesn't it um so remember so the structure is there on your screen so, kind of the centre of gravity for this whole chapter points to these, particularly these two verses. So Jesus has gone, so that he could send someone uh, who would be an even greater blessing to us, his people. And the whole the whole reason for Jesus' comfort to us in this chapter is that God will come to us in His fullness; we will have His presence in the Holy Spirit. And, and as, as Dan said, that involves community, um, that, that God is with us and we are in him. Uh, it involves his presence. And, and I just want to explore that a little bit more. Um, these, Jesus is describing our relationship with him in these verses in the same way that he describes his relationship with the Father, So back in verse 10, have a look at verse 10 with me. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. And then it is... uh, 20, thanks, yeah. On that day you will realise that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. See see how there's that deliberate... It's the same language, isn't it? And Jesus is deliberately echoing that to show that his relationship with us and the Father's relationship with us is, is very much the same kind of relationship as Jesus has with God his Father. That's an amazing truth because... In this chapter and elsewhere through the book of John, Jesus goes to, uh, a, to great lengths to describe how intimate and how um, inseparable his relationship is with the Father. They are completely independent. They have com- a complete communion that is based on love and unity. And he is saying that our relationship with God is based on that same community, as Dan said, that same unity and that same love. The only difference... Uh, is that whereas the relationship between Jesus and the Father is interdependent, our relationship with Jesus is completely dependent. Does that make sense? So we are completely dependent on Jesus. But Jesus describes our relationship with him and the Father the same way that he describes his own relationship with the Father, that intimate connection And then verse 23 also throws light on our relationship with with him and with the Father. It says, we will come to him and make our home in him. Now it's helpful here, the the, the English translation actually isn't all that helpful, uh, but the word for home uh, that you see uh, in verse 23, we will come to him and make our home with him, is actually the same word in the original language, uh, as we see in verse two, which is translated "rooms," so in verse two, uh, it says Jesus says, "In my Father's house are many rooms." We could—it might sound a bit weird—but we could read verse twenty-three as we will come to whoever um, whoever believes in me, and make our rooms with them. Does that make sense? So Jesus making that connection between. Um, him going and preparing a place for us and him coming to live with us. Now there's more to it than that because Jesus is describing uh, his relationship with us while we were on earth, while we are on earth, He is going to come to live with us. Uh, we know from the Bible that after we die, we will be with God forever in the new creation. But here Jesus is describing the aspect of us being on earth and him making his dwelling uh, dwelling in us, and so we see the idea of God's presence shift uh, in 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 this chapter in the in the New Testament. It shifts from uh, God being uh, God's dwelling being a place, a geographical place. In the Old Testament, we see that in the temple uh, where, in Israel, in Jerusalem, uh, in the temple that symbolise where God's God's physical presence in that place, but now that has shifted uh, to, uh, and has now become the um, the, pla- the place that we meet with God has shifted from that physical place to a person, and that person is Jesus. And now we experience the presence of God as Jesus lives in us. I want to. Um, John 14, Jesus wants to comfort his disciples. He tells them that he has gone to be with the Father, but it's for their benefit that he goes. Because in his place he will send another counsellor, the Holy Spirit. He will come to them and with his coming, God will then dwell with him. They won't be left as orphans. He will dwell with them and he will dwell with us in his fullness. We have his Spirit. It's not like we have part of God that that God Jesus goes and sends the spirit and we somehow have a, have a third of God in us no 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 we have the, the we have the fullness of God dwelling in us and that's clear in verse 20 on that day you will realize that I am in my father you are in me and I am in you and it's implied the presence of the spirit is implied in that too We have the Father, we have the Son, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us through the presence of his Spirit. We have God in his fullness. We will no longer be left as orphans, as Jesus says in this passage. It's an amazing truth and it's a lot to absorb. And I just want to spend the last part of our time looking at how this passage applies to us. I think it's easy to see what Jesus is saying here as being a bit remote. It could easily become a bit removed from our life. Yes, we can understand that the Spirit comes to us and lives in us, but how do we experience that? How do we feel that power? I want to look at two ways this passage can make a difference in our lives. And actually, I'm going to get you to do some work here. I'm going to finish off in a minute and I'm going to leave you with some questions that I want you to ask uh, each other. Um, And uh, I want you to, if you feel comfortable, then to pray for each other. If you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. You may feel comfortable to let someone pray for you. Um, um, I'll leave that up to you. But um, these are the questions I want you to look at. And they involve... Um, Firstly, the command in verses 1 and 27. The command is, Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled, trust in me, trust, sorry. uh, It says, um, trust in God, trust also in me. So Jesus is saying that I am God. Just as you trust in the Father, you can trust in me. This is actually the only command that I can find in this whole chapter. And Jesus repeats it, verses 1, verse 27. So it must be important. He must want us to, to remember that. I want you to uh, A question I want, want to ask you is, what are some things in your life that are troubling you? Some things in your life that are troubling you. What would it mean for you to trust Jesus in that situation? Does that make sense? What's troubling you? What would it mean for you to actually really trust Jesus in that situation? As I said, if you don't feel comfortable answering that, that's fine. You, you may you may be willing to let someone pray for you. But let, let's, um, probably in the groups that we were before, uh, let, let's think about that that question. And then I've got another question for you and it involves verse 21. Jesus gives us a promise in verse 21. That is, whoever keeps my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me or she who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. I will love them and show myself to them. Uh, That's a promise that Jesus gives us. What's an area you feel God wants you to obey him more in? And... What do you think it means for God to show himself to you in your life? Does that make sense? What do you think it means to for Jesus to answer that promise in verse 21? Okay? So, um, I'm going to let you have a few minutes talking about that and praying for each other and then Maybe after a, um, an appropriate period of time I'll get the band up and uh, we, can, we can sing a response to uh, what we've learnt today.